In the future, I should bring all of the ideas from my books and consulting practice together in one place, and that time is now. Unlike my other books, this one is not a fable, but rather a comprehensive practical guide. I've tried to make it as engaging and fun to read as possible using real-world stories and examples from actual clients to illustrate my ideas. It's worth mentioning that many of the individual concepts I cover here have been introduced or touched upon in one of my eight business fables, most notably The Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, Silos, Politics, and Turf Wars, and Death by Meeting. In those books, I use fictional characters and plot situations to bring my theories to life. For those who would benefit from a more narrative approach to a specific topic, I'll make reference to those books whenever possible. Because I'm not a quantitative researcher, the conclusions I draw here are not based on reams of statistics or finely crunched data, but rather on my observations as a consultant over the past 20 years. But as Jim Collins, the research giant, once told me, qualitative field research is just as reliable as the quantitative kind, as long as clients and readers attest to its validity. And I am happy to say that based on my experience with executives and their organizations, the principles in this book have proven to be as reliable as they are simple. So I hope you enjoy listening to The Advantage, and more important, that it allows you to transform your organization, whether it's a corporation, a department within that corporation, a small entrepreneurial venture, a school, or a church. It's my goal that one day in the future, the simple principles contained here will be common practice, and that salespeople, busboys, bank tellers, CEOs, and everyone else who works in an organization will be more productive, successful, and fulfilled as a result. The Case for Organizational Health The single greatest advantage any company can achieve is organizational health. Yet it is ignored by most leaders, even though it is simple, free, and available to anyone who wants it. That is the premise of this book, not to mention my career, and I am utterly convinced that it's true. If it sounds absurd, it should. After all, why in the world would intelligent human beings ignore something that is powerful and readily accessible? That question was finally answered for me on July 28, 2010. Stooping to Greatness So I was attending a client's leadership conference, sitting next to the CEO. This wasn't just any company. It was, and still is, one of the healthiest organizations I have ever known, and one of the most successful American enterprises of the past 50 years. In an industry plagued with financial woes, customer fury, and labor strife, this amazing company has a long history of growth and economic success, not to mention fanatical customer loyalty. Moreover, its employees love their jobs, love their customers, and love their leaders. When compared to others in the same industry, what this company has accomplished seems almost baffling. As I sat there at the conference listening to one presentation after another, highlighting the remarkable and unorthodox activities that have made this organization so healthy, I leaned over and quietly asked the CEO a semi-rhetorical question. Why in the world don't your competitors do any of this? After a few seconds, he whispered almost sadly, You know, Pat, I honestly believe they think it's beneath them. And there it was. The Three Biases In spite of its undeniable power, 
So many leaders struggle to embrace organizational health, which I'll be defining shortly, because they quietly believe they are too sophisticated, too busy, or too analytical to bother with it. In other words, they think it's beneath them. And in some ways, it's hard to blame them. After years of off-site meetings filled with ropes courses and trust-falling exercises, even the most open-minded executives have come to be suspicious of anything that looks or sounds touchy-feely. Combine that with the notion that corporate culture has been reduced to surface-level artifacts like funky office furniture, employee yoga classes, and bring-your-dog-to-work policies, and it's no wonder that so many leaders have become cynical, even condescending, toward most things related to organizational development. This is a shame because organizational health is different. It's not at all touchy-feely, and it's far bigger and more important than mere culture. More than a side dish or a flavor enhancer.